And now it is my honor to introduce the speaker for the inspirational message this morning as our spiritual director and senior minister. Please join me in welcoming Reverend Patrick Cameron. Good morning. Well, I'm going to invite those of you that like to stand and sing to stand and sing with me, and those of you that like to stay seated, please do so. But we're going to, I'm going to sing anyway. All right. We'll sing and we'll say it. We'll say a prayer. In this very room, there's quite enough love for all the world. And in this very room, there's quite enough joy for all the world. And there's quite enough love and quite enough power to walk through our every fear. For spirit, one spirit, invite you to know with me in this moment as we turn our attention and our awareness to the one activity and that is spirit that is God that is that divine presence fully orbed we are immersed in it and it is immersed in us and so I give thanks this day for that remembrance each time I know I choose it it chooses me and so may we move aside anything that restricts that intimate and direct knowing an experience of spirit this day. I give thanks for the beautiful music. I give thanks for the support and the consciousness. All of the beautiful teachers, all of the beautiful traditions on this planet, longing to express our highest and best in our humanity. And so I give thanks. I give thanks this day, knowing that each and every one of us, myself included, is guided. The next correct step, as we continue to dip into our spiritual practice of affirmative prayer, of meditation, of contemplation, of silence, of devotion. I give thanks this day, knowing every good thing necessary for each and every one of us to experience this day makes its way into our awareness. For this I give thanks, I release these words in gratitude and appreciation for life, for love, for laughter, for being able to listen to one another in love. And I invite you to say with me, as we know it is already done in the mind of the one, and so it is. Please be seated. Thank you. You were over there last time. <laughs> well, I'm so grateful to their all-star choir. Some of them are staying for both services. Very sweet. So we've been uh, using Don Miguel Reese's book, for the book of the month to talk about uh, the agreements and it's called the fifth agreement the four agreements are in there so if you have the four agreements uh, you don't need to look for it anymore but they're all in here and we're talking today about the fifth agreement 
we've worked our way through the first four, which are to be impeccable with your word, and the, and the next two agreements set that up. To be impeccable with our word is to really think about how we're communicating and how we're being in relationship to one another. And so that impeccability is, is supported by the idea of making no assumptions and taking nothing personal. So the next two agreements really support the impeccability of the word because if we realize that, that people's story and their life experience has so little to do with us because we have, we've been domesticated, as Don Miguel said, through, through symbols. And we all interpret the symbols based on the way we've been uh, domesticated, the way we've been conditioned by parents, by, by schools, by various influences in our lives. And so to be impeccable with our word really requires us to step back from it and to make, become more aware of how we're interacting with one another. The fourth agreement, which I talked about last week, is to always do our best. The fourth agreement we can all do, because we can always do our best, wherever we are. At whatever level of awareness, we can always do our best. In fact, I think most people do do their best. Sometimes what happens is that we show up with the expectation we're going to do better than we did last time, and we may not have the energy or the resources or the, excuse me, or the consciousness, whatever it may be. And so we feel at times we may have failed. But if we always do our best wherever we are with whomever we're with, what else can we do? And today... I talked about it a bit last week as the fifth agreement or is to be skeptical, but learn to listen. Be skeptical because most of what you hear isn't true. And when you learn to listen, you understand the meaning of the symbols that people are using. You understand their story. Everybody has a story. So it doesn't mean that we are discounting them doesn't mean that we don't honor what they have to say because there are many, many situations on the planet that we struggle with trying to find and understand some, some good in them. I mean, that's just the nature of it. But it's to be respectful, to listen with respect and understand that it's their story. Whenever you hear a message from yourself or from another artist, simply ask, is it truth or is it not truth? Is it reality or is it virtual reality? As I used the example of the chair a few weeks back, that's a chair over there. That black thing's a chair. That's the truth. Then I made up a story about it, and I said it was an evil chair. And if you touched it, bad things would happen in your life. In fact, it's such a bad chair that we should take it out and burn it. And that's, if we look back in history, that's been the experience for some people. Only they didn't burn the chair, they burned one another. And so... Or I, I said, or it could be a blessed chair, a magical chair, that it has been touched by the gods. And if anyone who sits in that, their life will be a series of blessings throughout eternity. Once again, it's a superstition. It's a story I make up. The truth of it is it's a chair. And the truth of our being is that we are all, we are all divine incarnations of the infinite. And we forget that. That's not part of what's supported. We get that domesticated out of us. It is because of what we believe, Don Miguel says. It's because of the symbols we learn and the way we are applying all of those symbols. In between service, I had a lady that said, I have a quick question for you. And I did the entire talk, and then she wanted to know... Um, she was really struggling with Ed Stelmack and gas and oil and education. And I said, well, they're all stories. We've made, this is, these are stories, and, and these stories get played out in our lives. This is exactly what I was talking about. And I said, you know, I wasn't here to take a political stand one way or another. I'm for education. I'm for good being expressed wherever it can be expressed. And if you feel called to do that, then, then follow your heart. Follow your passion and take a stand. 
But this isn't a political rally here. This is, about, this is talking about life from the spiritual perspective. And then I simply said, you know, I've got another service to do in 10 minutes. I can't possibly flesh this out with you right now. And so, but it was interesting. It was interesting because after all the discussion about how we get entrenched in stories and we take, and it becomes, because our stories become so much a part of us because we're so passionate about it. And there's nothing wrong with bringing passion to it, but at the end of the day, it's all still a story. You know, you may have a favorite sports team. And if they don't win, whatever they don't win, it may affect you. It may depress you. It may sadden you. But it's just a story you're making up about an activity. Not that it isn't precious and right, and that, not that I can't sit and respect and honor what you're saying, but it's just a story. You know, I don't know who won the whatever last year, but I know the quality of my life was not diminished by it unless I allowed it to be diminished by it. There, let them have their own experience. And it doesn't mean we don't care. That's the confusing part, to say let other people have their own. Because I think what happens when we get clear about who we are, we get clear about what is the highest and the best, and we do take stands, and we do write letters, and we do vote different ways, and we do shift and change. All that stuff's affected. But unless we're grounded in that, unless we're, and when we're caught in the story, it becomes very, very difficult to bring a blessing to it. Because I know that if I write a letter or make a phone call out of anger and resentment, all I'm doing is adding to the chaos of that situation. And so everything, I think, is our opportunity to speak and respond and be in the world in love. And that's a huge, it's a huge undertaking for us. I'm not saying it's easy. I know it's not easy. But I think that's what we're called to do. And so we make up these stories. So one of my favorite stories, I, I, I've told this story before, but it's been several years, that I think is an example of how we get attached to our story, is um, around 1875, 1860, right after, somewhere in there, right after the American Civil War. Uh, a man goes west, and he can't find work, so he decides he's going to get a job with the stagecoach line. And they hire him immediately because they need people to ride shotgun on the stagecoach. And so the stagecoach is going from Las Vegas to Reno, which is several hours by stagecoach, probably several days at that point in time. And they're going through a territory where Black Bart lives. And so the, the, the caution from the driver is that he said, now you're the... You, you're, you're the shotgun man here. You're protecting the stagecoach, and we've got the payroll, and we've got to make sure we get there. And so this is, in this particular area, there's a notorious bandit that we call Black Bart. We don't know who he is because he's always masked. But if, if you happen to see anything on the horizon as we go along, please let me know. And so sure enough, they're traveling along, and several hours into the trip, and the, the man riding shotgun on the stagecoach looks back, and he says, I see something on the horizon. And he says, well, how big is it? How big is the, f the figure on the horizon? He said, it's about a half inch. Holds up his fingers. about this big right now. He says, wow. He said, okay. He said, we should be okay. We're going to be into town in another two and a half, three hours. And it, at a half inch on the horizon, we should have enough time to be safe. And so they drive along, and a little bit of time goes by, and he says, how big is he now? And the guy looks back, and he says, well, now he's about, he's about four inches. He goes, really? He's making great time. And so when a little bit more time goes, together, uh, goes by, and he says, how big is he now? And he says, about, well, he's about a foot now. He says, oh my gosh, he is really clipping along. So sure enough, they don't, they're, not, they're about a half hour outside of town, and this, this guy's right on top of them. And so the driver says to the man riding shotgun, he says, it's your job to protect us and protect the payroll. That's why you signed on. He says, so when he gets close enough, I expect you to use that firearm. And so sure enough, the man gets close enough. He's right there off their, their, to their left, and he said, you know, do your thing. And the guy says, I can't do it. He says, why not? He says, well, I've never shot anybody before, and I, I'm not comfortable with that. And the other thing is, he said, I've known that guy since he was this big. 
We get, but we get, married, we get married to ideas and symbols. And then they become part of our, part of our, our approach to, to life. I mean, this woman between service was a great blessing. Because, man, her story was her story, and I wasn't going to talk her out of it. And I, and I just thought, isn't this fascinating? I just got talking about stepping back from our story, and yet, well, what do you think about gas and oil? What do you think about education in Nairobi? How does that, uh, you know, how does that work? I see. Uh, I get it now. It's, it's, a, it's all a story unless it's really important and you're really passionate about it. Then it's not a story. It's reality. But what a great example of how all of it. And so should, I'd get angry with you if I thought that would help. But I, so what, a, what an angel of God's presence. Because we stand for good everywhere. We have helped build schools in Malawi. We've got volunteers that have gone over to, to Africa to help do work, and I think we can do more of that. We tie, we're a tithing group. We brought in three or four people in the last 60 days that we've given money to because we support good wherever we find it. We want everyone to live in freedom. We want everyone to be educated. Education is the key. But, you know, I did, in five minutes back there, I don't have enough. I said, I, there's no way I can possibly flesh this out with you because it's not a straight line. And I get it. You're adamant about this. You need, uh, what, and I still don't know what was, was asked, but I thought, what a great lesson. What a great opportunity. Because our stories, especially when we're attached to them, especially when we've been beat up as children and abused and all the things that can go on in the world, those things are really real. And it's not that we don't have compassion for it. We need to be able to sit with one another and process that and empty it out. But empty it out in love. And empty out in the support because that's your story, but it's not who you are. But it's so hard to disconnect from that. As Don Miguel says in the book, because what happens then, the first house of the, the, the house of the first awareness is a house of victim. And we see it played out on the planet. We see it in wars. We see it in, in Afghanistan right now. We see it in Iraq. So what happens is the pain and the suffering that we bring to the world, we don't, if we don't bring our love, we bring something else. And if we bring that, then all of a sudden, not only is it destroying us, we want to we hurt somebody else. I'm going to punish somebody else. And that's part of the story. It's part of the choice we've been given. We were born wild and free. And then things happen. And, the, and painful things happen. You know, I feel so blessed to be where I am and the opportunities I have to study this and to look at it and to apply it in my life. I don't know what my life would have been like if I were born in a country that was war-torn and it was, it was struggling and all the battles that go on. I don't know. But that wasn't part of my, my journey. But I have great compassion for that. I have great empathy for that. But I also know, just as I believe, in, and we talk about here, that each one of us has an opportunity to reframe it and to move forward, they have the same opportunity. They have the same opportunity spiritually. They may not have the access to the information. They may not have the teachers in their lives. And I don't know. I don't, we don't understand all of it. We don't claim to have all the answers. One of the great things about our teaching is you can look at people and say, I don't know. But I sure, it sure bothers me too. And what I know about that part of it is then I can dive even deeper into my spiritual practice, hopefully. So that I can be more loving in this community with the people. All, Thich Nhat Hanh, the wonderful Vietnamese monk, said, the only moment we have is right now. This is the only moment we have. And the only relationship we have right now is the one that we're in right now, you and I. If we can bring the full measure of our consciousness and awareness to this moment, we're doing our best. If we can listen to one another's stories and understand, you know, I hear your story and it's painful to listen to. And I love you. 
I love you, I love you, I love you. But to stand up clear enough and, and, and grounded in the truth of being, I think is such a gift to one another. The great teachers that I've had in my life, I've gone in and poured my heart out. You know, my broken heart and how dysfunctional my family was and my mom and dad and on and on and on. And I've had people of great consciousness look at me and say, I hear you. But what do you, what do you want to do from this point forward? Where do you want to go? Because that's the only, this is the point of power we have. And I could have stayed stuck in that story of victim. That's the house of the dream of the first attention is the victim. He said, then it moves to the attention of the warrior. And the warriors, all of a sudden you realize all the things I bought into aren't working anymore. It's time for a new idea. It's time for a, to remodel my consciousness, my awareness. That's spiritual practice. But it, but it takes practice. The dream of the second attention is the warrior consciousness. It's the dream that we begin to doubt. Maybe, maybe everything I learned is not the truth. Maybe everything I learned is not the truth. We begin to challenge what we believe. We start to question all the opinions we learn. In the dream of the warrior, we are in war. It's a war between the authentic self and what we call the tyrant, the big judge, the book of law, the belief system. The war is raging inside our heads, but the problem is that they sent the war outside of the, that we send the war outside of ourselves to try and kill one another. That's why we have war. It's not why we're here, but it's the evolution of consciousness. The Greeks called it the underworld, the world, and the upper world, these three, these three dreams. The first attention victim, the second warrior, and the third is the master. The third, the third realm, the third dream is the end of judgment, the end of judgment for ourselves and for others. And once again, when you find yourself judging, it's just an opportunity to say, oh, there I go again. It's practice. Don Miguel's not saying we need to be able to master this in one moment. It is practice to catch ourselves when we're judging. And stop and say, no. Remember that? I used to share that ancient practice last week with you. I didn't do it at one of the services, so maybe you were at that one. But it's to learn how to say no. No. And most of the time, the no is to ourselves. We, Laura and I were in Kelowna for a couple of days. We went down for a doctorate ceremony for one of our ministers and but in the middle of a sentence I said to her you know what I'm not being impeccable in my word and I shut up and I thought and part of me was upset that I'd even started going there and the other part was well at least I caught myself because a lot of times you get on a roll and you say well I know this I shouldn't be saying this so I'm going to go ahead and say it anyway <laughs> I mean that's part of awareness and saying something to Laura and I said you know I'm not being impeccable with my word and I made that commitment and I just stopped so I'm not going to say anymore. There's nothing, it's a story I'm making up about somebody, and that's not appropriate. In this realm of the, the attention of the warrior, it says, poor me, look at what happened to me when I was nine years old. Look what happened to me last night. Well, whatever happened to you in the past is not the truth anymore. It may be the facts, but it's not the truth anymore because this moment is the truth. This moment is eternal. It could be the most horrible thing, but right now it's not truth because right now the only truth you, you, now is the only truth you live in. We carry that past with us. We drag it along. The last dream, the third attention, the dream of the third attention. I mean, uh, the Christians call it hell, purgatory, and paradise. Every tradition has these three houses, every one of them. The Greeks, underworld, the world, and the upper world. The Christian tradition, hell, purgatory, 
in paradise. I was raised Catholic, so we had we had limbo too. Limbo was like it was like you were like in a waiting room. You were in between purgatory and paradise. Limbo. And the harder we prayed, and the more we offered up our, our suffering for the poor souls in purgatory and limbo, we would liberate them. Which, when you're five years old, gives you something to think about. Hmm. That's an interesting idea. Lim- limbo. Have you ever heard George Carlin do his thing on limbo? So the last, the last house, the third attention is the last judgment. This is the very last time we judge either ourselves or anybody else. The very last time. And this is possible. This is possible. It's the day we accept ourselves just the way we are and we accept everybody else just the way they are. Can you do that? Can you accept yourself today just the way you are? Who told you, the symbol that you bought into, who told you that you don't deserve? Who taught you you're not good enough? Who taught you that you're bad and wrong? You may have been bad and wrong, but that was a long time ago, or that was 10 minutes ago. This is the moment. And you say, you know what? I am willing to step into a new vow with myself. And if you break the vow, forgive yourself and step back into it. That's the practice. It's not the mastering. It's the practice. And eventually it becomes, we, we judge, it's the last time we judge either ourselves or anybody else. It's the day we accept ourselves just the way we are and we accept, every, accept everybody else just the way they are. And when the day of our last judgment comes, the war in our head is over. The war in our head is over. You know, the, the, the um, Vivekananda, wonderful teacher, came out of India and brought the, their tradition west. And Vivekananda started sharing the idea of the nafs in their tradition, in the Hindu tradition, which is to overcome the lower self. The jihad is not about dominating another group of people. It's about overcoming the war in our own heads. At the depth of understanding, at the depth of what that sacred tradition is teaching, it is overcoming that, the nafs. They call it the nafs, N-A-F-S. The dream of the third attention begins when the war in the head is over, and it will be the end of our world. Your world, your world as you know it will end. But also the beginning of our world, because we no longer in the dream, we're no longer in the dream of the warriors. We're in the upper world of what we call the dream of the masters. And the masters are former warriors, They have won their personal war, and they are at peace. The dream of the master is a dream of truth, a dream of respect, a dream full of love and joy. It's the playground of life. It's what we are meant to live, and only awareness can take us to that place. I have to share this with you. I didn't get it in at the first service because I ran out of time, because this is my favorite. Once you accept yourself just the way you are, you no longer have any judgments about yourself. And once you accept everybody else just the way they are, you no longer have any judgments about them. Then something incredible happens in your world. You find peace. You know, Gandhi changed the nation with peace, despite what was going on. He said, no, we have to stay in this nonviolent approach. Dr. Martin Luther King did the same thing. I'm sure those guys got upset at times. I'm sure they got angry and frustrated. And so what they they probably have to do is step back and reconnect spiritually and ask for the guidance and surrender into their prayer and into their intention and and ask for the divine guidance so that they could move forward and lead that movement. They didn't have the luxury of judging anymore. They had to put it down. 
God bless their consciousness. God bless them. Two different traditions. Martin Luther King was, was inspired by Gandhi. He, he stood on the shoulders of Gandhi and said, you know, these are my people and they suffer. And there's so many stories made up about my people that aren't true. But for us to move forward as a culture and to move into the world in a bigger way, we can't do it burning things down and hating one another. So they, made, they met hatred with love. They stepped back from their judgment. And it takes tremendous courage to do that. Consciousness, consciousness, consciousness. It takes a spiritual practice that's intimidating. Is your spiritual practice intimidating? Do you tell people, look, I can't have that conversation with you right now because I, I need to go meditate? I'm too busy meditating right now to go to the debate with you. To stand in that cause. If I'm going to stand in that cause with you, then I'm going to stand in that cause in clarity and in love. I'm going to honor everyone and every tradition because everybody has a right to their opinion and their story. And I listen in respect. And I hear the pain. When I was just talking to the woman, you know, I, I could hear her pain. I could hear her frustration, her passion. But I also knew it was her story. And I respect that. And I also had to respect myself, say, this is not the time I can have this conversation. And she didn't like that. She told me she wasn't going to come back. Still love her. It's not the time to have the conversation. And I still honor her story. But she wanted things from me at that moment I couldn't, I couldn't provide. And I think part of it is we look for reasons to, to, to leave. We look for reasons to leave. If you, if you dive into what we teach here and really look at what we teach, it's really hard to discount it. Because we don't, we don't have an opinion about anybody's tradition other than to honor and love them where they are and hope for them they have the best life they can possibly have. We're not in a box. We're for all the good we can find. Ernest Holmes, our founder, said, take the good where you find it and leave the rest behind. He said, talking about this, expanding, once you accept everybody else just the way they are, you no longer have any judgment about them. And then something incredible happens in your world. You find peace. You are not in conflict with yourself, and you're not in conflict with anyone else. All of the conflict that exists in humanity is because there's no respect. Every war is because we didn't respect the other artists. He calls all of us on this planet artists. Every war is because we didn't respect the other artists' way of life. Instead of respecting their rights, we start imposing what we believe on others. Instead of peace, there's war. Respect is like a boundary. When we call our rights, when we call our rights and respect, what we call our rights and respect go together. We have rights just as everything that exists in the universe has rights. We live in a world that we share with billions of other beings and respect makes it possible for all dreamers to live in harmony and to live in peace. So the challenge for us is to listen, but don't believe anything I say. Because I'm just, I'm using my symbols. But listen. And if there's something there that you can use, take it. It's my gift. My buddy Paul Pringle, I don't know if Paul's here today, but Paul's got, he's a stand-up comedian, and one of my favorite lines, Paul Pringle, one of his lines is, Paul Pringle, yep, just like the chips, fresh out of the can. And I like that. I think that's a good line. And I used it the other day. I was out with Paul. He says, don't be using my stuff. I said, Paul, that's a great line, and I'm telling everybody it came from you. Don't be using my stuff. I'd be like me saying, don't take any notes. Don't, don't be taking any notes. This is all mine. I'm just sharing with you information that's been imparted to me. 
Take it all and use it. Or don't use it. But don't believe me. Believe yourself and listen to that. And don't believe others. Listen. But listen with respect. Because when the respect is there, we can never be at war. And don't believe ourselves. Don't believe me. Don't believe others. Don't believe ourselves. Listen. And if what's bubbling up for you is powerful and wonderful, use it. Dr. Holmes said it. Take our good where we find it. Leave the rest behind. The great thing about it, the only way I can do this work is I, the only person that I have to convert is myself. And believe me, I got my hands full with that. <laughs> it's true. To battle my lower self, those nafs, those the parts of myself that want to jump back into the symbols and the stories and be right and make others wrong. So why we have these heroes on our walls. It's not easy, but it is our opportunity. What a blessing to have this information. So what is it? What are you feeding yourself each day? What is your spiritual practice? Is it intimidating? Do you get up each morning and look in the mirror and affirm all the wonderful things that you are? Do you get up and look in your eyes and say, I know, despite all the things that are going on in your life, this moment is eternal, this moment is precious, this is the point of power where I step out into the world this day in unconditional love and support, not only for myself but for everyone else. And I listen to everything that comes into my life from the perspective of, I'm not going to believe it, but I'm going to listen to it with respect because it's very important. And then everything, when we listen from that perspective, everything is right. But everything's not stuck. It's not static. And then we can go to work in our own consciousness to do the work that we're, that, to ask for the guidance, to ask to be in that co-creation, to affirm it and to know. It's so powerful. It's a powerful spiritual practice. Our affirmative prayer, our affirmation, the great good. I want to share a video with you right now that I think reflects that wonderfully. A little girl named Jessica. I think she's about three years old. Would you cue that up? This is her spiritual practice each morning as she's getting ready in front of the mirror. And it's on our website if you'd like to see it. You can go on the, our Facebook. It's on Facebook on our website. Well, I can be a shark. Now my whole house is great. I can do anything good. I like my school. I like anything. I like my dad. I like my cousins. I like my aunts. I like my Allisons. I like my mom. I like my sisters. I like my dad. I like I like my hair. I like my haircuts. I like my pajamas. I like my stuff. I like my rooms. I like my whole house. My whole house is great. I can do anything good. Yeah, 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 yeah. I can do anything good. Better than anyone. Better than anyone. Oh, it's her fifth birthday. So who, who planted those seeds with that little girl? How many of us were, had, had someone coaching us in that? So tomorrow morning, I want you to get up on your bathroom cabinet. <laughs> before you leave the house, at least 20 affirmations of what you love, knowing that whatever you do, it's great. And so it is.